don't know what a tracker mortgage is. What's a tracker mortgage? With a tracker mortgage, it would just track the base rate which the Bank of England sets. It could be set at a percentage above the base rate or below it. That if, for example, whatever your um, deal is tracking, whatever rate, say for example, bank base rate goes down, then your mortgage payment will be going down at the same time. For anywhere between a year and the entire life of the loan. So your monthly repayments could vary from time to time, depending on changes to the base rate. I hope that shed some light on it. That's a very quick explanation of what a rate tracker mortgage is. And as you can hear by those accents, they're already offered in the UK and Europe. Just recently, people in the finance and banking industry in Australia have been floating the idea of offering a mortgage rate that is tied to the official interest rate set by the Reserve Bank of Australia. But if you're still a bit baffled as to what a rate tracker mortgage is, my guest on Business Briefing is here to explain. Well, Milim Sarkhe is my name and I'm the Professor of Banking and Finance at the University of Canberra. Millen says the idea behind rate tracker mortgages is already used for other types of loans. So this concept is actually basically taken from uh, uh, the short-term market uh, because in, in the short-term market, uh, the interest rate is uh, normally linked uh, to the DBSW or in the international market, it is linked to LIBOR. The BBSW is the bank bill swap rate and the LIBOR is the London Interbank Offer Rate. Uh, these are the rates that are used as the base, and over that, certain basis points are added up as a margin, and that rate is charged, and that is what happens in the short-term market. If I am a lender, and I decide to offer a tracker mortgage rate, then my mortgage rate maybe 2.5%, where 1% is my margin and 1.5% is the Reserve Bank of Australia's cash rate. So another lender may say, well, I'll charge a 2% margin, in which case that lender's rate will be 2% plus 1.5%, which is the policy rate, so 3.5%. Why might it be attractive for banks or for customers? How does it share the risk? Well, for the customer, there are um, actually advantages in this. One advantage is that a, a tracker mortgage rate would usually be probably the, a, a lower uh, on the lower band of all the uh, the various types of rates that are uh, that are there in the market. For example, the standard variable rate. The second advantage for the customer is the transparency because the customer knows um, you know which way the rates are going and how the rate is decided. Importantly, that is what the customer knows in advance. Third thing, there is some kind of certainty available to the customer. The risk for the customer may arise in cases, for example, a lender may, may, a lender may say that um, even though the cash rate goes down to, say, zero, I mean, take the case of, say, the, the Federal Reserve, the Fed rate, which was zero, sometime back, or um, the Bank of Japan rate, which was minus. Uh, in that case, the lender may say, uh, that well, um, I will put a floor floor rate that is sort of sort of a caller rate, and my mortgage rate uh, would always be that floor rate or the caller rate, and um, it will not fall below it, whatever be the policy rate. Another thing that can happen is that if you lock yourself in when the policy rate is high 
and there is no uh, this thing available for you uh, to get out of your fixed um, contract, then the, the customer may be at a risk. Is it fairly common that mortgage tracker rates, there'll be a longer term of contract? Well, it, it depends on what, what the lender is trying to offer. Many times it happens that the tracker rate may be used mainly as an introductory rate. Uh, so you may use it uh, maybe for a year or two or three or five years, whatever. And then you automatically switch back to another rate, maybe a standard variable rate or whatever. You can't expect the tracker rate to be there for a you know, 25-year mortgage or 30-year mortgage. We've heard what this means for customers who might get something out of having a tracker rate for a certain period of time with their mortgage. But what about the risk for banks who are giving out these loans? Yeah, the risk for banks is the interest rate risk in the in the sense that the bank is actually committing itself, that uh, committing itself for the margin it is going to charge. So that margin will remain fixed. So if I say as a lender, I'm a bank and I'm saying that I'm charging a margin of 1% over the policy rate, then if my other costs, my operational costs and my other cost, if they go up, then uh, I'm not able to do, uh, I'm not able to change your rate uh, because the rate is linked not to my cost, but the rate is linked to an external rate, uh, which is not under my control. But at the same time, uh, if you look at it in a, in a different perspective, what is going to happen is that when the banks go for a tracker rate, the current issues that customers are having with the banks and especially the society in general is having with the banks uh, about the lack of um, you know sort of trustworthiness in the banks as to why why they are not passing on uh, the the cut in the policy rate to the customers for example and th- this is an issue that comes up uh, almost every time there is a uh, rate reduction by the by the reserve bank so to some extent w- when you are having a tracker rate uh, then, the, then the banks don't have that worry and the banks would be having more credibility in the market. The bank will have to be extra cautious before they give a tracker rate loan because they are committing to, to, to the customer and that is going to put the bank in the bind. Uh, but I don't think that this, that is going to materially change the lending portfolio of a bank. How does it bring in efficiency? It brings in efficiency because if you are charging uh, if, if you have contracted with the customer that, well, I'm going to charge you only 1% above the policy rate. Now, if the policy rate comes down, all right, then I'm I'm still required to do my, uh, you know, my whatever operational costs I'm incurring or whatever um, uh, funding costs that I'm incurring, everything has to be within that 1%. And I have to offer you uh, a rate which is lower because now the policy rate has come down. Some of the big banks have argued that this is not commercially attractive, that customers won't go for it, that it won't work in the current market. But one smaller bank in Australia is offering it. Why do you think that is, that some of the bigger banks are rejecting this idea? Uh, Well, I I don't buy the arguments of uh, the bigger banks. That the bank is in a bind. Bank now cannot, um, uh, you know, raise the shield of um, our cost of funding gone up, this thing, that thing, and whatever their other costs may go up, they are now able to load it onto the customer, which they may not be able to do. So that is the reason why they will they will always say, oh, well, the consumer is not going to take it up. But how do you know it? 
have they conducted any survey uh, whether consumers are interested in in it or not uh, on on what basis are they saying it so i would i would certainly go for a tracker rate mortgage because uh, it brings in more transparency that's milan sathi a professor of accounting banking and finance at the university of canberra now it's time for our new segment why don't you just ask an economist okay so my name is neil smart i'm from uh, Richmond in the Tasman district of the South Island of New Zealand. And my question is, why is the price of unimproved land so high in Australia and New Zealand? If the laws of supply and demand apply, and there is an oversupply of land relative to the rest of the world. Fantastic question. And one of the things that it does, which is really nice, is it sets aside the improvement cost. So this is nothing about the recent controversy to do with how expensive it is to build stuff in Australia. This is all just why, like, land, plain old land, is so expensive in a place like Sydney or a place like Melbourne. And there's some really basic economics that explains why that's the case. And the reason is because there are real constraints on the supply relative to the demand of land in places like Sydney and Melbourne as good examples. And those come from some geographic issues which is you, you think about a place like Sydney, which has got basically uh, an ocean on one side, uh, a mountain ridge on another side, and some constraints going north and south. So it's got only so far it can spread. Melbourne's got related issues. And if you then think about zoning restrictions or the ability of the supply of land to adapt, that's pretty constrained as well. So as the questioner said, shouldn't supply and demand take care of this? Absolutely. But basically, there's a lot of demand to live in these great cities, but supply can't adapt all that effectively. And just because there's a lot of supply in other places, there might be a lot of supply in Las Vegas, Nevada, that's not a really good substitute for people who want to buy a property in Sydney or Melbourne. And that's one of the reasons why uh, people like uh, me who've proposed increasing the supply side of the market rather than working on the demand side of the market through subsidies and, and other things for home ownership. I think that the way to solve affordable housing in places like Sydney and Melbourne and Auckland and other places is to really work on the supply side of the market. So um, not much comfort there for Neil? Uh, well, it's a factor of space and it's a factor of government policy. So press on government to stop pushing supply, uh, demand side policies rather than supply side policies. So, you know, peel back and pare back negative gearing and press on things that increase the supply of new land and new housing rather than raising the price of existing housing. Thanks to Neil for sending in that question and to economist Richard Holden for answering it. If you've got a question for Ask an Economist, record it or write it and send it to ask at the conversation or one word dot edu dot au that's ask at the conversation dot edu dot au business briefings theme music is by ben sound and i'm jenny henderson business and economy editor for the conversation 